Welcome back to GRBN. I am Mac W. Money, broadcasting to you live from the capital of Alea. Mac, uh, this is your other co-host, Lucky, here back at the recording studio's uh, headquarters. Can you tell me what it's like down there? How have things been since the uh, the first cut of the selected? Balls, gowns, and gals, Lucky. That's the three things that I've seen in excess. Amazing. Uh, can you tell me anything about the food situation? How is the how is the food there? I hear a lot of the chatter about the food, Mac. Now, most of the ladies are looking a little bit peckish, trying to keep those figures nice for Prince Max, and they are all competing for the hand. Uh, there is one girl who is cannot help but put it away, and that is our our hero, America Singer. Uh, every time she sits down, let me tell you, she is a bottomless pit. And you know, man likes a woman who likes to eat. Incredible. Are there any uh, any standouts? Anybody who's taking charge of the pack that uh, Maxon seems particularly keen on. Prince Maxon has been sending some secret signals to a lucky lady in the audience, I believe, uh, aggressively tugging his ear during his most recent interview. Uh, Seven girls have already gone home. Back to you, Lucky, in the studio for a recap on those developments. Thank you very much, Mac. It's good to be back in the studio and safe from rebel attacks. Nope, don't mean, can't, uh, no, what rebels, 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 what rebels? Oh, God, sorry, right, 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 right. Beep. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry for that brief interruption. Mac Mani joins me back in the studio for a brief recap of the reading that we've completed. We read chapters 8 through 16 of the selection by Kira Cass. Uh, this is a nonpartisan commentary, I will say. Uh, there should be no bias in this at all. Um, and if you see any bias, that is completely projected by us. America Singer and her selected traveling companions arrive at the palace. She enters to a flurry of activity and is given a makeover, new clothes, and a new room in short order. America watches the weekly report with all of the selected and realizes she's popular as hell and a threat to them, (laughs) which the selected women make clear at dinner. Her new friend, Marlee Thames, teaches America about the subtleties of female friendships, an important lesson for the road ahead. America has a panicked attack because of stupid Aspen, flees (laughs) to the gardens, and literally runs into Prince Maxon. He is delightful while America is a real pill. America wakes up after the bout of rudeness, ready to apologize to Maxon. While the selected learn table manners, Prince Maxon has five-minute one-on-ones with each woman. America apologizes, saying there will be no loving feelings toward Maxon, but she will be his number one inside girl, confidant, first ever friend. In classic dating show style, these five-minute interviews take out eight of the competition, leaving 27 women left. (laughs) Maxon and America have a very public and very flirtatious chat over breakfast the next morning, making a bet if America's sister would cry from joy eating some breakfast tart. <laughs> Weird fucking anyway, bet. I don't understand. Anyway, she didn't cry, so America and Maxon go on a walk. America freaks out that Maxon is getting a tad bit too friendly and knees Maxon right in the royal beans, offending him <laughs> and his future children. This causes America to be banished from dinner, her one true love. <laughs> There are pants waiting for her on her bed from Maxon, delivered before the nut shot heard round the castle. Much guilt is felt. During breakfast the following morning, a ding-ding group of rebels attack. Maxon explains the two types of rebels and is sent to flirt with Marley Thames by America, showing some real strong leadership qualities during an attack. After the rebels do their nasty thing, America returns to her room to find her maid Lucy having a panic attack. Lots of panic attacks in this book, I've Lots of hysteric women. A lot of uh, freakouts. Head maid Anne explains that terrible trauma of a Southern Rebels attack on Lucy, lighting a fire in America. America Singer spends the next few days kicking it in her room with her maids, playing cards and gossiping. 
Maxon visits, much to the maid's chagrin, and they agree on a secret signal to meet. While being filmed for the report, Maxon teases America live on camera about yelling at him, hinting she's around for the long haul and flashes the ear tug. America meets up with Maxon after dinner for a stroll in the gardens, a chance at redemption. Maxon asks America to share her love story, which she does in full, succinctly describing the book up to this point in about three pages. (laughs) Could have just started the book there. I could have gone without the first 120 pages. Maxon holds America for comfort, assuring her that she can stay as long as she needs because he's one stand-up guy. Feeling better that Maxon won't kick her out, America goes to the woman's room to gossip with Marley Thames. America lets slip that she's into Maxon's rockin' bod. In a real twist, Anna Farmer slaps the shit out of Celeste Bad Bitch Newsome and is sent home for a dramatic finish to this week's reading. Wow. Okay. So I was going to say that not a lot happened this week in the reading, but when you lay it all out like that, that's just a big event. That's like the entire book is, has now occurred. Uh, there is an incredible amount that happens. We, I mean, we are introduced to the palace. We get Max in, we get some slapping, we get some backstabbing rebels are amok. It's incredible. There's a nut shot, uh, the titular nut shot of this episode, but um, oh, I think we want to save that maybe for later. We're going to save it, and clearly that's the thing we're going to spend the most time on, because it is the closest to any sexual contact we've gotten in any book since Bear. And, and perhaps the closest we'll get for this book. So obviously a lot happens in this reading, Mac, and I think it's taken us a minute so to much. digest, understand. How did you feel about the reading? Well, as you mentioned earlier, we're going to be impartial as reviewers. We sort of have right. to be. It would be unethical um, to take sides. Uh, but I kind of hate America. And I mean the character, <laughs> not the country. Uh, I kind of hate her. The other female characters in here, some of them are really well drawn. Some of them are a little shallow. But like America, man, almost everybody she meets, she's kind of rude to uh, other than Marley Thames. Um that's interesting you bring up her being rude. That's specifically my note. Every single person she interacts with, she's kind of the one that comes off really rude and standoffish. I mean, Prince Maxon, and you know, I'm I'm very much shipping for Maxon at this point. He is nothing but a delight of course. when they run into each other and he rescues her to the garden to help her panic attack. She, she couldn't be more rude to him just based off of assumptions she's seen on TV. Come on. She assumes that everyone is sort of like out to transform her or like keep her in this cage, as she calls it. E- even before she meets Prince Maxon, she's getting her glow up. That Everybody's getting their makeovers. And she sits down with her hairdresser, who's clearly a homosexual. And he's like, so how do we want to make you look? With that red hair, we can make you quite the temptress. But if you want to play that kind of thing down, we can work out that out, too. And then she replies, I'm not changing everything about me to cater to some guy I don't even know. Yeah. And he's, he's just like, ooh, looks like we have an individual here is what he says. And it's like, ooh, turn down your acid level. Do you remember being in college when you'd ask for somebody's number to work on a group project and they'd say, sorry, I have a boyfriend. It's like this situation. <laughs> this dude's trying to do his job and she's flipping out on him. Like, enjoy your moment. You know you're going to leave. You know, she's going in this expecting to leave. Have a great meal, which we'll get into that too. Yeah, she's, America is kind of the epitome of the, you know, I'm not like other girls. Because she constantly looks down on all the other selected. There's a couple that like were nice to her to start with or that she sees this from like her level of cast that she then uh, sort of gets along with. But she just like will make some sort of rude comments about even the girl's body. She like kind of body shames this one girl who has apparently a very well endowed chest. Yeah, I t- I'm trying to take notes on each of the selected. So, I, you know, I've got the crazy map of red string and my chalkboard. Like, how do they know each other? Who's friends <laughs> with who? And the only note we get about any of these women, other than Celeste Newsome, because she's obviously set up to be kind of the villain, is this one woman, Brielle Pratt, has huge boobs. There is no 
other qualifying factor for people except for Tiny Lee. It's it's hilarious to me. Like all of these women are introduced, and then we only know about one that's cut out in the beginning. <laughs> there are some red flags in there. What's funny is I think that there are a lot of red flags in the process of the selection, but America Singer is like looking left when she should be looking right because this is like a, the- a theocratic society that's completely putting women into this. Uh, you know, they, they they really are putting women into cages. Essentially, we, there's a literal woman who works in the castle who is a slave. She was sold to the royal family, uh, but but that's not what it concerns America. She's looking left and she's like worrying about. Uh, being called my dear she's worrying about like prince maxon using the word shall she roasts him for using the word shall uh you know the dear thing happens and prince maxon says this line you are all dear to me it is simply a matter of discovering who shall be the most dear and america fires back did you really just use the word shall (laughs) as though shall is some sort of incredible phonic olympic event to say you know honestly maxon is grounded he's charming He's got a rockin' bod people keep talking about. She's the one up on her pedestal on her high horse with these assumptions. And then he says, uh, forgive me, it's a part of my education. And then America goes, education, I muttered, rolling my eyes. Ridiculous. <laughs> what? <laughs> her reaction to his, like, just <laughs> talking is, is, uh, is a little Learning, absurd. fucking nerd. Education? <laughs> I don't doubt to do that. <laughs> and she walks away and trips because she didn't know how to tie her shoes. So now that we've seen some of the women, I think right at the beginning, we get a good sense of how these um, different selected are going to be acting. Who would you at this moment choose as your future queen? So not like who you would marry. If you were watching the selection on TV, who would you like? Ah, that's my leader. That's my ruler. Uh, So just watching the events that we've seen on television. Thinking about the report and the way the women are like showing themselves to the public. Who do you think would be a great next queen at this point in the book? I'm shipping for Marley Thames. I'm going to go based purely on image and attitude and all the factors with Celeste. She (laughs) is gorgeous. She carries herself. She knows how to play the game, but isn't going to be like spying on the other girls for the prince because America very quickly agrees to turncoat against the other selected in order to give Prince Maxon secret information. And I think that while that is sort of a Game of Thronesy thing, that's like not who I want to be my queen. Right. I think it's important to have some type of manipulation when you're the queen, especially when you're dealing with other countries and whatnot. You want to be a player. But at the same time, you know, this is why I'm much more of a Marley Thames fan. You, you got to win the love of the people. I want to be there. I want my queen to represent me. Plus, if we're looking solely at names, Princess Marley great name princess celeste has a nice ring to it princess america sounds like something you would like say to a girl who is being really obstinate like a like a really bratty girl well if it isn't princess america in a daddy's truck like it just has no ring to that's it. actually what my dad used to call me when we went to mcdonald's and i would make a scene <laughs> little princess, little princess america. america yeah <laughs> well, they did keep entering you in all those beauty pageants, so maybe that's something to do with it. It's not my fault. I kept winning, like, I, I, and I don't deserve two Happy Meals. I won. Whatever, I'm over it. <laughs> I don't want two Happy Meals, Daddy. I want two toys. I want two toys, Daddy, and ten nuggets. <laughs> Throw the fries at his. Face. I always wanted. I, I remember specifically. I always wanted twelve nuggets, and I wanted him to mix the barbecue and the sweet and sour sauce. And he told me, "quote That's bad for your blood, or whatever." Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, there are eight, was it eight girls that got Eight canceled? women get canceled right at chapter 11. 
most of these women got sent home just after meeting with him. Like they spend five minutes with this guy and he sends them on their way. This was just this was before breakfast as well. I think I would probably get sent home if somebody tried to interview me before I had breakfast and coffee. Just like it's right out of bed. They're like, okay, here you go. You have to think, too, right after bed and then you're being stuffed into a dress. Three people are like getting you naked and clothing you and you have to be learning table manners before you can even eat. I I don't even stand up most of the time when I roll out of bed. It's falling 50 percent of the time. It's it's what's falling on the ground, rolling to the toilet. And then that's Mac time. You don't need to know what happens in there. You can only hear it and imagine. So eight women are down before breakfast. No, I'd actually, hang on. I'd like to focus a little bit more on Mac time because what I like about Mac time is that it's not normal bathroom noises. It does sound like you're doing performance art in there. I swear to God, it's construction noises. It does sound like an active zoo. It's sometimes an aquarium. I don't know that one. That one's confusing. (laughs) A wind concert in a park. That was my favorite one. Yeah, I'm auditioning for Stomp in a couple of months, so I like to use that morning time to just get going. Dink, 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 flush. Uh, so eight women down before breakfast. It makes me wonder if those were the eight who didn't like pancakes. Like if you talk to them, it's like, oh, so what's for breakfast? Oh, we're having blueberry pancakes. Oh, kind of high in the carbs, right? Get out. Wow, you got to wonder, right? I mean, obviously, there's probably so much new show that went into his thought process. But if I was Prince Maxin, it would 100% be based off of breakfast choices. If my future wife doesn't <laughs> like eggs, Benny... Whoa, goodbye. Okay. So, okay, let's well, let's unpack that for a second. What's the sec you say you're on a first yeah. date and for whatever insane reason you decided to make your first date breakfast. What's the se- what's the sexiest food that a woman can order at breakfast? Okay, so I'm not making it. We're out to breakfast and she's ordering a sexy food. I mean, if you, yeah, I, or she could ask you to make it, but the idea, I think in a restaurant they'd have like a huge menu of breakfast food a items. Tightly rolled crepe. With just a thin line of whipped cream and a little raspberry puree on top. Very phallic. Okay, that's certainly literary. That's very, that's literally very sexual. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hang on. Sorry. <laughs> Sticky, wet whipped cream. <laughs> no. What about for you? What um, if you're, if you're out to breakfast with mm. your boo, with your fiance, and he's like, mm. he's trying to put on the moves. He's like, I'm looking for a little afternoon delight. I need to get this sexy meal to really get Max engine revving. What would he get for you to be like, it's on and popping here in a little bit. A honking breakfast burrito. That's like (laughs) one of those ones. That's the size of your head. And just, you can almost not get your, your mouth around, (laughs) Uh, which is sort of counterintuitive because that gets me really worked up, but then no sex is happening for like 24 hours. Um, Because there's a lot of dietary issues that come with that size. There's a lot of tummy issues, (laughs) but, um, what can I say? Love is a complicated beast, as we, as Kira Cass is teaching me. You brought up an interesting point a moment ago about Prince Maxon sort of having a thing for women who are feeling a lot of emotions that are physically able to dominate him, uh, that maybe be like disagree with him. Like he doesn't seem to want your typical Princess America. He wants America to be his princess. Well, that was poetic. I think that there's definitely the dichotomy between what is expected of him as the prince to support the nation and make sure the caste system looks good and him actually wanting to fall in love and find the right person. And I think this aggressiveness that America's singer has been putting toward him is really intoxicating because everyone else is probably acting the same, trying to charm him or whatever. She Mm. goes right for the nut shot. And I think that is a bold move and it certainly (laughs) saw her stay. Yeah, let's talk about that. The uh, nut shot heard around the world, as it were, at least around the garden, because she runs into Maxon that first night in the garden. And then he takes her for a midnight stroll like the next night. 
So the midnight stroll is brought upon by a bet that is happening at the next breakfast. Right. Yeah. So America Singer's eating this tart and just like, nom, 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 because she's like loving it. Like I mentioned, food is the real prince here. No, she likes to oh, eat. She loves it. And I respect that about her. I'm really, that's like one of, the, and I, I dunk it on America a lot, but I, she does have a lot of cool traits. She, her liking to eat, I think is really uh, interesting. Like that's what most girls would be like. I think if they got, well, anyone would be like, if they get to a castle and have amazing food and have been starved their entire life. And the other moment that really got me was during the rebel attack when she uh, like runs over to the window unprotected and like slams one of the shutters down to protect the other girls, um, which everyone else like cowering in fear. And she has some wherewithal about mm-hmm. her. a queenly action for sure. Protecting the people. Hmm. She's stuffing her face full of this tart, strawberry, whatever flavor it is. And Maxon calls <laughs> her out like in the middle of just blasting off on this delicious breakfast. And, you know, she, yeah, cause she like moans or something. She goes, oh, yummy. Well, she eats it. She like says it's an audible. Oh, yeah. Mm, my tummy's happy. <laughs> tart for America. <laughs> that's what I, that's how I sound when I eat a tart. He calls it a tart for a tart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so sorry, yeah. So she makes this like yummy noise, and you're saying that Maxon uh, calls her out in front of everybody. He calls her out. And it's just like, how are you enjoying the food? Okay, this is the first time Maxon does do a dick move because that is pretty rude. If you're for the first time enjoying like a dessert ever in your life and just like getting in the zone, and you're like, hey, hey, Lardo, how are you enjoying that tart? <laughs> and then her response is, oh, it's so good, it'd make my sister cry. Yeah, and then all of a sudden they're like having this flirt going on in front of all of the other poor girls who are doing their best to get Maxon's attention, and. Which I got to say, if you're going to flirt with someone talking about making their little sister cry, not a very good way <laughs> to do a pretty it. Poor start, I would say. Um, and um, well, why don't you tell us how that bet turns out? I can't right now. Mac, um, groundbreaking twist. She doesn't cry. At least that's what we hear from the <laughs> butler. We don't know. Because, again, maybe there was some extortion going on. However, this leads them to have this nice stroll in the garden. And I think this gives her that, that PTSD oh, yeah. moment of the conversation with the gentleman in her home saying you kind of have to do whatever the prince wants. And he just like steps closer for a general chat. And then um, and then we lose something of great importance, the future of the monarchy. <laughs> I lay as future princes and princesses all who knows how many generations were need out of competition for the crown by her aggressive self-defense. Or is, can you really call it self-defense when you're not being attacked? Matt, I completely agree with you. It was a complete knee-jerk reaction. There was no need, need to knee that jerk as a reaction. <laughs> it was a knee-jerk reaction because she was the jerk with the knee who reacted. Again, Maxon didn't deserve any of this. He was just getting closer to share a private moment, and she blasts off in the Pokeballs. Yeah, and interestingly enough, he's not that's not a deal breaker for him in any capacity. Um, you sort of touched on it earlier that he might be into this. I think maybe Maxon is a little bit of a masochist. Mm. Oh yeah, huh? Because the crying thing, the knee shot to the nuts. And she doesn't necessarily realize what she's done. She thinks that she knees him in the thigh, and then he bends over and goes, Oh no! Oh, oh what have you done? <laughs> and it takes him minutes to recover, and she's like, That's weird. I didn't know if you need a guy in the thigh that he would he would act like he that. He goes my peeled grapes. Uh, oh, the family jewels. <laughs> and she's like, that's weird. Uh, and later on, she's like, what? I just hit you in the thigh. And he's like, uh, m'lady, dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does not take a man 10 minutes to recover from being hit in the thigh. 
So the nutshot is not the only action we got in these pages. Uh, we've sort of danced around it, but there is a rebel attack on the castle in these chapters, which I had sort of I, when it, when it came around, I had almost forgotten that that was going to be an element of the story. I was just so lost in the tarts and the little girls crying or not crying, I guess, that when suddenly the castle starts getting debris lobbed at it. I don't know if they're using catapults or just there's dudes outside throwing canned goods at the windows, but there is an assault and people are pretty dang worried. Yeah, you see the range of reaction. You know, we mentioned before America goes and starts pulling down the shutters she sees, which is great. A couple of the women do that, too. Some people have like panic attacks. There's some religion going on. There's a lot of just like panic. Um, I think that Prince Maxon really capitalizes on this moment to do some flirting, which uh, good on you, bud. Yeah, he like immediately runs to America and they start, you know, gossiping a little bit. They, they spend a lot of these chapters actually gossiping about the other girls and about America's past. Let's talk a little bit more about... America's betrayal of the other selected because the second time she meets Prince Maxon, she immediately is like, well, I could I could tell you about what's going on with the girls. That's the deal we have. You know, you keep me in the game as long as possible and I'll fucking tell you anything you want to know about them. And then uses that position to try and get her friend the position of princess because she just keeps pushing him towards Marley. And other than America, Marley's kind of the one that he's been spending a little bit of time with more so than the other girls. We find out that he and Marley have a nice little popcorn movie date. Which, I mean, sounds <laughs> rad, especially in the current times, going to a theater that you are the only person at. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah, that's kind of romantic. It's not a nut shot in the garden, but yeah, it's, it's good. If you're not crushing my nuts, I'm not asking for a second date. You're breaking my balls here, and I love it. And you hear that, listeners? It's crushed nuts or nothing for Lucky. <laughs> she's pushing Marley toward the prince constantly, consistently. And yeah, she's using this position to kind of like influence the, the, new, the crown. And she's mentioned this before that she might use this position for good food and political influence. It's nice to see that she's coming around on such promises. Uh, and America doesn't seem to have much ambition for this. She's trying to help her friend and trying to get through this on her own and maybe stay at the, the palace long enough to get over Aspen and let stuff settle down at home. But if she were someone who was playing the Game of Thrones, it would be so easy to manipulate Prince Maxon. Like if she were a spy or like a rebel who had somehow found her way into the castle... Maxon is pretty much putty in any girl's hands. <laughs> any amount of attention shown to Maxon and he's gung-ho. Very easily influenced to get like more food for her family. And also the fact that she has to play little games with him and make bets in order to get food sent to her starving family. is a, It's another little red flag. Yeah, coming up a secret like tugging your ear to get a meeting with each other seems honestly a little bit more romantic than I think she intends. And also like preposterous. Yeah, they set it up that signal of the ear tug job and he immediately does it he's like okay if we ever do need to meet we'll do a little tug of the ear and then that night we'll meet and then the very next day as soon as they lock eyes he's just yanking on his ear hard enough to cause some damage yanking on his ear while he was calling her out to the public for the first time mentioning she's yelling at him and being so rude but that he loves it i cannot believe that america's (laughs) hiding from her own feelings obviously this man is perfect for her they kind of deserve each other maybe david (laughs) <laughs> They're both of each other's worst traits, and I think that's beautiful. Uh, America gets along pretty well with the other girls, but there is like some drama that we see brewing among the pool of the selected, and we only get a little bit of that action-wise towards the end. Do you want to walk us through like the this little play-by-play of that like last moment of the chapter eight or sixteen? That last moment of chapter sixteen. Of course, this is the next moment after we get past um, 
Maxon in the garden with America, confirming, like, you can stay as long as you want. She's spilled her guts to him about her whole history with butthole. I mean, sorry, Aspen. Um, and she's finally. When he hears about Aspen getting a new girl. He's like, what? And it's <laughs> W-H-A-T, all caps. And it's it's sort of like the reaction that most of us readers had, like, oh, no, he did not. Mm-hmm. A butler? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Max, see, this, I'm really relating to Maxon. He and I both have much Aspen hate. The next morning, she has been asked by Marley to have a little gossip time in the women's room, which I have a problem with a room called the women's room. But they uh, they spend some time Where in there. Women belong. <laughs> yeah, not great. They spend some time in there talking about Maxon's cake ass arms and how big his muscles are. <laughs> and then the, uh, a crack, a crack echoes out in the halls of, I guess, the women's room. And Celeste Newsome, in all of her power and glory, has a. Uh, I would say enticed, maybe um, intimidated, maybe tricked Anna Farmer into slapping her right across the face. And everyone knows once a slap happens, you're gone. That's the one rule of the bachelor, baby. America assumes that Celeste has baited Anna into hitting Hmm. her based on no information. They seem to be having something of an argument. But let's not let's not forget that America has spent zero time with either girl has had maybe one conversation with each of them, and she just assumes that she must have been provoked by Celeste to do that. What has Celeste actually done other than, like, play the fucking game a little bit? She hasn't betrayed anyone, or and if this is true, sure, she deserves to do her time, but if you can be, like, cajoled into slapping someone knowing it's going to send you home, maybe you just, like, walk away, do a little silent meditation for a moment. Yeah, honestly, I think that's maybe some of her own mental problems. I certainly don't go around my day slapping people across the face. Ah, you know what that sound means. We're heading to a rarely visited corner of the book nook, and that is the fan fiction corner. Lucky, are you excited to hear what the fans have cooked up for us this week? Mac, last time it was about Riddick falling in love with a spaceship, so you bet your bottom dollar I'm excited. (laughs) Okay, I searched the internet high and low. There is uh, not yet, there is not yet any Riddick selection fan fiction crossover, unfortunately. Disappointing. Um, they're still working on it. So I've I've combed the depths and found two good ones. Um, one's short, one's a little longer. Uh, I'll tell you the titles and you can pick which one you want to hear about first. Ooh, that's fine. All right. One is called Fire and Ice and the other one is called The Riddle. Oh, man. I'm getting strong Game of Thrones vibes from Fire and Ice, but honestly, I'm much more of a Riddler fan. So let's go with The Riddle. <laughs> I wish it was about The Riddler. Uh, this is good, too. <laughs> So this is uh, on fanfiction.net. This is by author Squishy28. It's not very long. There's only one chapter so far. Thank you, Squishy28. Uh, it's called The Riddle, and I'll read you the description. The Selection, a competition for 35 wizards and witches, is an <laughs> opportunity for them to be in the spotlight, win a crown, and get the hand of Prince Tom. Oh. <laughs> and that's, you might have guessed from the title, that is Tom Riddle, a.k.a. Lord of or, oh. uh, you know, he must not be named. Sorry for our um, non-muggle fans out there. Don't worry, I bleeped it. Next line. Although Neville Longbottom doesn't wish for such a life, he'd rather stay at home with his plants. Unfortunately, life doesn't always turn out as planned. Once Neville enters the magical abode, he discovers a future that he thought impossible. (laughs) So there's a lot of information right there uh, off the bat to unpack. I really like the idea of it being a gay selection. That was uh, a surprisingly uncommon trope in the fan fiction. Hmm. now, there's only one chapter of this, so we don't really get into the story too much, but um, the idea of 
or even Tom Riddle being like the Prince of Britain and a resident. Uh, I'll just read this. <laughs> Tom Marvolo Riddle, dot, 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 the Prince of Britain. All right. So already this is a backwards nightmare world. <laughs> a resident at the Hogwarts Castle, House of Slytherin, and the only heir to the throne. Oh, my God. Uh, he then apparently like Dumbledore and McGonagall are sort of his parents in this kind of the king and queen. So they did bend the narrative a little bit on that one. Uh, yeah, um, it seems all over the map. Is Harry involved at all? Is Harry just like some random student uh, just around? You know, we will never know. The first mm. chapter really only gives us a glimpse into uh, Tom Riddle's mind. We don't really get much, even of Neville. Um, it ends on a little bit of a cliffhanger of him heading down to meet the selected. So I I did reach out to the author squishy 28 um, on this platform. They have not gotten back to me, but um, we'll be sure to keep you posted. If, if uh, we learn more about Neville coming to win Tom Riddle's hand in the selection. And once again, thank you squishy 28 for your contribution to the narrative world. Uh, so if you're out there, congratulations. Good job. Actually, if you uh, want to hit us up and maybe tell us what you think about what your fan fiction is, or if you are, if you're out there, Squishy28, and want to send us the next chapter of The Riddle, we would be more than happy to read that and uh, keep promoting your work there. Um, if you do want to get in contact with us for wacky fan fiction to ask a question or just let us know what you think of the show, um, you can hit us up at grbooknook at gmail.com. You can also find us on our social media on Twitter and Instagram. That would be at GR Booknook. And honestly, the best way that you can help us is just by word of mouth, letting your friends know that we're doing this thing. We don't pay for any advertising at all, uh, at all, as much as we try. We look for it. It's not out there. So just tell your friends about us and um, our hilarious jokes uh, and jeeps. I, I pay for advertising. Wait, what? Um, yeah, I got a guy. He's a, he's a sign spinner. It's oh. a lot of work because of the because of the pandemic and all that. Uh-huh. But, um, he's outside my house right now. He would twirl in a sign. It's got our faces on it. It's got our website. Um, most people are staying inside these days, so no, <laughs> I don't know who's really seeing it. But um, Giuseppe's doing a good job. Good job a, out there. A strong, powerful message by your local gardener. If you'd like to see this sign or make some creative work yourself, send uh, that our way. We'd love to see it. Yeah, please do. Uh, we'd we'd love to read your letter on the air. So I think that ties up the reading for the selection. We're about uh, two thirds of the way through the book. What uh, what do we have left, Mac? How much are we getting through? Uh, the next section is a little bit longer. We've got nine. The last nine chapters are going to be read this next week. Um, it's going to be chapters 17 through the end. I can't do quick math. I'm guessing 26. At the top of the episode, we were trying to talk about how there's seven girls who've gone home. And I was my mind's like 35 minus seven is and then just like <laughs> error some women are gone it's not 35 anymore <laughs> there are some disadvantages to recording the show in the morning our next episode comes out on friday september the 11th uh i'd like to thank dj freedom for our intro and outro music that would be true messiah dj freedom still haven't seen you pop up in the book but i got my fingers crossed for this last <laughs> section they'll he's gonna do the djing for the wedding uh, whoever gets married that ends our special report from the Ilea capital. Who will survive the selection? And what will be left of them? Tune in for more next time on The Gentleman's Romantic Book Nook. <laughs> I was just probably going to Romantic Book Nook was filmed in front of a live studio audience. You know, I'm probably going to. Up next, Daydreaming. Oh, God.